Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Burke, and this week on Right Wing Insanity Report, we are speaking to journalist and expert on disinformation, Brooke Bankowski. She is the editor-in-chief for truthorfiction.com, worked at Snopes in the past. So this is entirely her wheelhouse. Uh, You do a lot of reporting, Brooke, on right-wing extremism. So right off the top, I want to ask you about just the uh, basic anatomy of how disinformation becomes truth. We are living in a post-truth America, I think, right now. Uh, Whether it's QAnon, whether it's anti-Semitic tropes, whether it is just lies about what happens at protests. Uh, You know, everybody wants to like distort what the truth is and use it to their advantage. Uh, So how does this happen and why do you think it's more amplified currently in this environment than it ever has been in our past? Well, (laughs) so I'm about to say a whole bunch of crazy sounding things. So just, you know, just so you know, I mean, I'm used to to saying crazy things. So I just want you to know that I'm aware that they sound crazy, but they're also true. (laughs) Uh, to the best of my knowledge and yeah, based on my research. So we are currently living through what I call a global right-wing power grab or global far right power grab really. And it's um, because of the internet, which um, has been around, you know, since the eighties. Well, it's been evolving into the current form since the 1980s. Um, It's it's allowed for a lot of really good things like instantaneous communication and a lot of really bad things like instantaneous communication for Nazis. So the global far right has been trying to unite for for ages. And there have been, you know, there's been effort after effort online, offline and so on, which have been disrupted by people who don't want to see Nazis and white supremacists, rather the global far right unite. Right. That so that's been kind of getting busted up since at least 1999. Um, And then came Facebook. Right. So Facebook has allowed the global far right to unify in ways that until, I don't know, the last 15 years or so have been absolutely unimaginable. Um, one of the hallmarks of far right, of the far right in general, and which has been for, for at least 80 years, is disinformation. And um, these disinformation campaigns are generally used to pave the way for these power grabs that they are constantly freaking fomenting. So the uh, disinformation campaigns, um, what they're intended to do is... Um, there's there's a few uh, goals that they have, and and again, this is something that the far right does. The far right is has massive experience with um, disinformation campaigns. So I'm staying with this, you know, disinfo, global far right, um, and also climate change. That's part of the picture, but I'll, I'll get I'll get to that eventually. Okay. I'm sure um, in my ranting. Um, so what they do is first they cause chaos, right? They're, they're trying to break apart the sort of human bonds that we have. One of the things that the far right despises and the, the right wing seems to be, well, I mean, they're, they're kind of the same thing now, right? They're the same picture. Yeah, yeah um, they, they despise are. empathy. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And, and we warned about this, you know, we warned and we warned. I've been warning about this since the Tea Party. I've been like, yeah. hey, there's an element of the far right that's coming into the, the Republican Party. Uh, maybe Republicans and should- And it's getting normalized. No, you're not wrong. And it became normalized. <laughs> I think the Tea Party was the kind of ground zero for what we're seeing now as far as the alt-right and QAnon and whatnot. I mean, all of those- all of these current movements that do rely on disinformation to grow have a uh, a trace back to that point in time. Yes. And I apologize, by the way, my cat uh, does not like me to pay attention to anything other than him. So <laughs> he's on my lap now. So if That's you see right. him. <laughs> he's um, cute. He is very cute. He's an alley cat that I reformed and then he moved in and I guess I have a cat now. So um, so what they're trying to do is it, really what it is, is attacking the bonds that make up human relationships, because those bonds are what democracy is built on. Democracy for all its flaws. And I, I mean, I really have no 
um, compunction about, uh, you know, saying this. Democracy is a very flawed system, but it's the yeah. best system we've got. And I'm paraphrasing right. somebody. I can't remember who it is. Um, it's not my original thought, but it still is, you know, and I believe in the power of the voice. I believe in the power of stories. I believe in the power of journalism. Like, these are my things. These are my values. So I'm a very big fan of democracy, and I want to hold on to it. Disinformation is there, and it's being seeded by the global far right. And the global far right is generally who is seeding disinformation campaigns, because disinfo, and I don't mean misinfo. I don't mean like honest mistakes. Right. I don't even know intentional like misinformation. Yeah, this is intentional yes. by design. Deliberate. And I always say the D stands for deliberate. I was so proud when I cooked that one up. I'm like the D is deliberate. It's disinformation. And then there's malinformation, which is just like messed up across the board chaos. I don't hear that one very much, uh, which is too bad because it's fun to say. But um, <laughs> disinfo is also very fun to say. So these these disinfo campaigns are there specifically to break these bonds between human beings to um, to get us to lose faith in our democratic institutions. Because what democracy really right. believe what it depends on is people believing in it. I, I sound yes. so kooky saying that. Yeah, no, but it's yeah, true. Public yeah. support for these institutions is a necessary component if they're going to be successful. If you lose the public support, uh, they could become destabilized. You know, we see that happening now with SCOTUS, not necessarily because of disinformation, but because they are, you know, choosing to politicize themselves. But yes, you're correct. Public buy-in, public support is really a necessary component for any democratic institution. Absolutely. And um, my whole thing is voice. Use your voice. You know, I tell people this. Use your voice to keep your voice. You have to. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is bad people are going to go in and they're going to act yeah. like they're using democratic controls and they're going to co-opt them and then they're going to make them um, toxic, right? And then people will lose faith in them anyway. So it's like, keep calling, keep writing letters, keep sending emails, keep using... Go, go on to... Even though Twitter is awful and, you know, uh, chaos at the moment... Go there and like insult bad people. They can't yeah. stand it. They're so yeah. sensitive. It's they wonderful. Are. So you got to keep doing that. Just de demoralize them, destabilize them, insult them, tell them they suck. <laughs> like this is what I want people to do. This is what I need people. To, we need people to do this because um, these 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 far right types, these personalities, really really need. Um, to, to project an image of invulnerability, of toughness, of even of resilience. And they're not. And they can be, you know... <laughs> they they can, can be the biggest snowflakes them. online, right? No, you're not wrong on that. So, you know, uh, far-right instigators, like I wanna, I'm want i thinking of right now Jack Posobiec or Andy No. these guys intentionally do put out disinformation, right? Whether it's an edited video oh, where they yeah. knew full well what happened prior, but they're only going to focus on this one thing because oh, that is the, the lane. contingent. The right. worst. Sorry. That's all right. But they have millions of followers. Um, what What is it about people that follow these guys? Why are they so much more um, open to being misled than other Americans are? So, you know what I'm saying? So these are groups that you could and you can tell them because I've tried to have these conversations when uh, Jack kind of stole some footage from me and tweeted it out and lied about what happened. I, I called him out on it. And it was amazing the responses that I got from his followers. You could show them the video of what came before and make it really clear what happened. And they would still try to find a way to say like, no, you're wrong, Jack's right. And you're like, why is this? Um, because essentially we are in a new kind of war. We are, we've been fighting a war since probably 2014, maybe sooner. That kind of, this war depends on what is called resilience targeting, which is basically taking away the resilience of a society, whether it's physical, intellectual, emotional, and so on. And then just like letting them weather 
um, you know, natural disasters, disinformation campaigns, you know, bad governance and so on. And those are the sorts of things that tear away bonds. So this is actually a very old tactic, uh, you know, salting the earth so that the crops can't grow. But because of climate change and the Internet. Oh, sorry, I thought you were saying something that I couldn't hear. Yeah, because of climate change and the Internet, it's become a lot easier to target the resilience of, um, of populations, of entire populations. So when you look at it in those terms, what you see is uh, through that lens, people like Posobiec and his and, and No and, and all those like creepy little bootlickers, um, what they do is they're, they're trying to target the resilience of crowds, of groups. They're trying to make people distrust one another. They're trying to make people distrust, the public at large distrust journalists. As far as why right. some people believe them, um, we have all, I mean, this is the sympathetic view, all right? This is this is a very- The charitable view. <laughs> yes, it's, it's sympathetic and charitable to a certain extent, because I do understand. I'm Generation X. I grew up in the 90s. I mean, I grew I was born in the 70s. I, you know, I reached adulthood in the 90s. I lived yeah. through all the stuff that Gen X people lived through. And what I can tell you is that, you know, it's really easy to have absolutely no faith in any institution being Generation X and younger, too. I mean, millennials got nailed in different ways. Yeah. Gen Z is just getting like, you know, yeah. I mean, I every day I'm just like, silently tell Generation Z, I am so sorry, like, I, my bad, our bad, you know, we, we really thought we would have taken care of all this stuff by now, but uh, yeah, yeah, so it's, um, we're, we're like, it's just, it's been pretty rough, and um, it's it's like, we, we're, we're dealing with people who are in charge of things, who think it's still like 1992 in terms of politics, geopolitics, and uh, the climate, so people like Posobiec are taking advantage of it. Um, the reason there are so many people, I, okay, this is a really tricky question. It's a good question. But I, I have this theory that 30% of any population just wants to watch the world burn, right? So you get like 30% of these, the, the asshole contingent, right? The bootlickers, the ones who really need to be told what to do. And they're getting told what to do. And they're like, oh, yeah. But then there's a lot of other people who are sort of um, situationally like that. They want to see it all burn down because like, what has it ever done for us? What has it ever done for them? What has it ever done? I've watched, I've personally had so many friends die because they had bad teeth or like they got, you know, sick. It, it was something that was curable, but they didn't have health insurance, like that kind of stuff. I want to see shit burn down too, you know, not in that way, but I want to see the people who are responsible for this to, to you know, to, to have, there, there should be consequences. They've like yeah. ravaged the generations that came after them. So I sort of see how that can be leveraged. I see how that can be turned into like utter toxicity. Um, it also there's well, like a I, lot of well, Brooke, not to interrupt you, but there's definitely a link between the current levels of income inequality in the country and the increase in fascism and disinformation. I think, oh, I think that's definitely true. If you go into some of the telegram rooms of these right wing extremists, whether it's neo Nazis, whether it's militia, whatnot, they can uh, point out the same beefs that the left has as far as you know uh, job losses, as far as unequal pay as far as you know all of the things that um, we all see clearly as being problematic the problem is is their solution to that is one that is uh very toxic and bad for lots of folks right so it's like let's blame <laughs> jewish people let's blame black people whatnot um and it's so exciting finding out that i'm responsible for all this stuff by the way um uh, sorry go ahead <laughs> Okay, so um, I want to talk about a little bit more about social media and how that figures into this equation. Uh, you brought up Facebook and whatnot briefly. And they're not, you know, they have some, you know, hate speech things and, and controls put in place to not have things run rampant anymore. I don't know how effective they are. 
But then you get into other apps like Telegram where there's no controls whatsoever. Um, the only kind of sort of silencing of rooms you see is from either Apple and their um, blocking it on their devices or Google blocking it on their devices. But, but you know, Telegram's become a real hotspot for uh, neo-Nazi and right-wing extremists, militias, whatnot, organizing. They, they go in there, they create their private chats, they have public chat rooms that you can join. And part of what they try to do, uh, part of what, what the intentional uh, disinformation is, is spreading anti-Semitic tropes uh, that are you can verify as false, but that doesn't stop them from being part of the narrative, right? And I think part of that is to red pill people that they view as normies, right? So basically red pilling is like, I'm gonna you know, first give you a little dose of why white genocide is an actual thing. This is what you would see like on the Tucker Carlson show. Then after you accept that as a truth, I'm going to give you the next phase of that, and that's that the Jewish people control the brown folks. Then after you accept that, I'm going to talk to you about the Turner Diaries and Day of the Rope. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, so, like, what is the anatomy of that from your perspective? Um, well, oh, that's a really complicated question because it, I, I see it. Um, it's, it's very much... Uh, curated to cater to different groups right so it's all nazi ideology but it's been like a b tested so it's there oh. you know there's some for like the board housewives there's something in there for the you know the the you know so-called alpha males there's something in there for the the disaffected uh i don't know normies who think that jewish people might be personally targeting them or whatever you know, it's, there's, there's something in there for everybody. Like one of the um, one of the things I've been watching is um, the anti-transgender disinformation campaigns, which started out. They started out like really targeted. I know because I got hit with them. It was like I would get approached by a woman who I knew vaguely. And then she would say, you know, I just don't think that these men should be colonizing womanhood. You know, they're trying to mansplain womanhood to us. And I just don't think. And I like 10 years ago, I was like, oh, my God. And then, you know, I thought it over and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> but um, but it was really effective because what it does is yeah. it goes into your chest and it grabs you, right? Like that kind of stuff is like, I'm very insecure about my place in the world as a woman because who wouldn't be? It freaking sucks out there for women. <laughs> yeah. And so that grabs onto that insecurity that brings out an emotional response and then they can go from there that emotional response is what can be leveraged and so um these strong emotional responses are fear our anger they're schadenfreude that's the one i always like that's my real weak point i have a lot of uh weakness towards schadenfreude so i will believe anything if, if something bad is happening if i hear about something bad happening to somebody i hate I will totally believe it. I have to watch myself. I'll be like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I will fall for it immediately. So I have to make sure that I, you know, because I'm so shot in I'm so motivated by that, that I have to make sure to like keep an eye out for it. So if I start feeling it very strongly, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You have to check in with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're, but like, you're aware of that and you do the check-in where a lot of these other folks don't do the check-in. And then, so, and then it goes to the next level, right? So... It, it just keeps tightening, like more extremes, yep. right? The and, nudges. And that's what Facebook's all about. The nudging, the psychological nudging. But, you know, it doesn't, it only works on people who kind of feel that way anyway. Like it doesn't transform people right. as much as uh, I think Facebook in particular, but not just Facebook, but like the, you know, the ad companies or like the bad marketing companies who are doing this stuff. It's not as effective as, as those guys say it is. Like they, they want everybody to think that they can like hypnotize people and, and cast a spell over them. But really what they're doing is they're finding people who are already vulnerable 
vulnerable to this kind of messaging, right. whether they um, have some kind of undisclosed or undiagnosed mental illness, or whether they're already just like pieces of shit, or, you know, if they're <laughs> just like maybe insecure, again, insecure about their own place in the world, but also they're kind of pieces of shit, or, you know, stuff like that. People who could go either way. Like, I, I personally... I can, I can only go by myself, right? I can only compare myself to other people because I only know my own internal workings. So, but right. I can tell you that I have the seeds of shittiness in me. Like I, I, like I'm a bully and I'm a troll and I love messing with people. Like I really love all those things, but because I know this about myself, it, it's, it's less easy to hijack it and I can actually use it and sort of leverage it myself for the greater good. So I troll Nazis instead, right? I, I tell white supremacists <laughs> that they suck and I enjoy making them cry. And I'm just like, yeah, I made you cry. That's right. Oh, you cry. You know, and it's, it's so much fun. Cause it's like, okay, I, I am a bully, but at least I can save it for like bad people instead of, you know, inflicting it on people who I actually like. So it's like, there's all these things in all of us that we have to watch out for. But I, I think that people who, who you know, kind of like want to let those bad parts of them take over are letting it take over. So, you know, um, like a lot of people, I didn't realize, I, I have a lot of really, um, I have a lot of complicated feelings about this constant, you know, barrage of anti-Semitism that we're living under right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously I hate it, but also it's like, damn, I was right about so many people. Like I always felt like certain people really hated me for no reason that I could really understand, you know, just on site, they would look at me and they yeah. just hate me. And I'd be like, why? And I'm like, oh, they're assholes. Okay. Like that's yeah. been really, really, really clarifying. But the, um, so that's kind of good. Like we have authenticity in our interactions now and we can figure out like, you know, who we can want to continue being friends with. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, I mean, this thing, this stuff is just becoming more normalized, and there is a danger to that. Uh, you know, you see, I see now in the last year and a half, um, a steady, a steady course towards, you know, just mainstream media sort of normalizing anti-Semitic tropes and not thinking twice about it. We Things that we wouldn't even seen two years ago, we're seeing now. And I do know- Absolute freaking assholes. I have been warning them for so many years. I'm so mad. About, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm just so mad about it. That's all right. It. I'm turning red. Okay. I have worked in mainstream media my whole career. The only reason I'm not in mainstream media anymore is because, like, look at them. <laughs> like, I spent years eating shit my whole life so I could, like, be accepted by the mainstream media people because I knew I was a maverick. I knew that I had, like, a little different way of looking at things. Now I'm like, wait, why did I think that? Why did I internalize this maverick stuff? You know why? You know why I had a reputation? Because every newsroom I worked in, from KPCC to KOGO to KPBS to CNN to NPR, I would say, what are you doing about the Nazis? There's right. a ton of white supremacists who are trying to organize all over the United States, all over the world. What are you doing about the white supremacists, especially in Southern California? Because yeah. San Diego in particular is, you know, it's the hub. It, it's been the hub classically for, for decades. It's been the hub of the, the, the global yeah. white supremacist movement. And most San Diegans just go <laughs> on about their business like. Dur, 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 dur. And then somebody like me comes along with, you know, a bad case of uh, my face and all the Nazis within like 50 miles are like. You're one of the good ones. I've always wanted to do it with a Jew girl. Right. And I'm just like, oh. God. Oh, so gross. There's just such disgusting people. That was high school, by the way. They were obsessed. And you like, actually had people want? say that to you? That's insane. Oh, oh, my God. The white Aryan resistance guys. They were yeah, obsessed. War, they yeah. I, actually, um, I actually interviewed Chuck Lee, who is an ex-member oh, yeah. of that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Great guy. I like him a lot. 
Yeah, he's it's amazing journey that he's taken. Um, and I do think in order I think in order to understand where this is all coming from, we have to understand the roots of it. Um, whether it's, you know, I'm a reformed ex neo-Nazi and I'm going to work on, you know, pulling people out of the movement or it's what you're doing with disinformation. Um, Chuck is about the only reformed white supremacist who I trust, by the way. He is like the only one. I mean, okay. there are a bunch out there. Uh, running around, uh, and there's a there's a couple actually. I'm sorry, he, there's a couple others who I do I think say good stuff, and I I think that they're trustworthy. But he's the one who I'm just like, yeah, that guy's not going to go back, no matter what. He's not going back. Like, there oh are no, he's de- yeah, he's he's definitely not going back. Or there's you know you're right. There's others that have layers to things, right? There, there's still some port some parts of that ideology that they want to hang on to. I think yes. um, I think long term indoctrination in these movements, you know, it really changes changes so much in your brain, right? It's it's like an addiction. Hate is an addiction at some point. Yes, and it is. I mean, it's it's like with people who are, um, and this this is another thing where I can say, you know, I can say it because I did it, you know, right? Like I have to be self-centered because, you know, self-centeredness and self-awareness is kind of how, it's the only way I know how to um, work through all these things. I mean, I observe other people, I talk to them and so on, but uh, my own personal emotional experiences are the only thing I have to go by. So. I, I was in a really high drama relationship in my teens and early 20s because, of course, I was. And it, we, we went back and forth for like six years. He was awful and so on. But then after we broke up, I found this new emotion that I didn't realize. I was bored. I, I didn't realize I was going to be bored because I didn't know how to how to live without these horrible highs and lows. And like, you know, I, I just didn't know. And I think that um, a lot of these white supremacists and these far right types or whatever, they're addicted to that sort of roller coaster of drama and that that serotonin. And then, you know, the, the, the serotonin goes down and then they need to do something more outrageous. And and they're addicted to this 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 drama that they're putting other people through. And, they you know, they love it and they don't know how to, to survive without it. I think that that really is what it boils down to. It's like a, it's like they're all going through a bad breakup and they don't know what to do with themselves. What they really need um, well, I mean, I, I know what I think they really need, but, you know, it's probably nothing I should be saying. I think that they all need, like, severe wedgies, and that's just to start. But. <laughs> severe wedgies. All right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about political disinformation on the right, because that's also increasing, uh, not here in the United States alone, but globally. And there is a connection, I believe. Um, we can take, for example, what's been happening in Georgia. Here you have Brian Kemp, who is now the governor, you know, he was working with True the Vote to purge legitimate voters off the voter rolls uh, prior to the last election. And, and I'm pretty sure True the Vote knew that these were legitimate voters. They didn't care. They want to suppress the vote. Right. But then at the same time, the same group of individuals have no problem turning around and saying that was election fraud. Trump actually won the election. And we all know that this is false information, but that doesn't stop them from doing it. So um, what is this game that these political right-wingers play where they try to use disinformation in both both directions, right? One, to improve the things that they want to do, i.e. suppress the vote, and then to also get the base riled up against, you know, the other team, so to speak, because that serves their interests as well. Um, yeah, disinformation usually has more than one aim. Um, it's it's very cheap and easy, you know, and you just float it. But there's always this push-pull mechanism. So disinformation campaigns, the results of disinformation campaigns, even if they're not successful, can be used to fuel the next one, right? So, like, if, um, say, um, oh, God, now, of course, my mind is blank because I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, but, but there's always different goals. So, okay, so uh, I don't know how to pronounce Kanye West's new name. Yay? Yay or ye? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, he's been running around putting swastikas up everywhere with Nick Fuentes. People are getting predictably, you know, very upset because it's very upsetting. It's awful. Like, what is he doing? You know, there, there's multiple reasons this is upsetting. But this is going to be used later. I can see very easily how it's going to be used later. So, for example, like maybe a year from now, um, there's going to, for example, there. this is a totally imaginary scenario. I'm doing what right-wingers do. I'm making up scenarios and getting mad about them. Uh, but say, for example, there's some sort of solidarity movement between black Americans and Jewish Americans. You know, say there's some kind of like solidarity group. Then some asshole like Nick Fuentes can come around and be like, well, actually, you know, black people don't like Jewish people because Jewish people, you know, they, they took, um, you know, they, they deplatformed yay, yee. <laughs> and I just say know, Kanye West. Yeah, Kanye West. They deplatformed this guy just because he's black and saying things that they didn't want to hear, you know? So it's going to be yeah. used to whip that's our, more. That's already happening. That's already happening. And at is. the same time, you know, you can see videos of Nick Fuentes saying that black folks are inferior, using the N-word. So this is all just performative uh, political theater yeah. for Nick Fuentes, in my opinion. Well, it, and, and it is. I mean, it is for all of them, I think. I mean, Kanye West, I don't know. I mean, I think he's genuinely damaged. Like, there's something yeah, I do too. going on with him above and beyond. Like, the anti-Semitism, I believe, is real. But, like, everything else, I'm just like, eh. I mean, the guy's being used. It's very he's clear. Like, he, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's definitely being used. Just like, um, uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Walker. Um, right. Herschel Walker. And, yeah, no, know, I agree. The right wing has no problem using and tokenizing individuals for their... Uh, for their end game, that's definitely true. Um, so let me ask you, oh, go ahead, sorry. I, I just think we need to, sorry, there's just one more thing I wanna say. What we need to look at, the way we need to look at this and, and the lens through which we need to look at all this stuff is um, something that I don't think people are ready to see yet. We are looking at a small contingent of Americans who are aided by other people in different countries who believe that Americans don't matter except for people like them. They believe this country is rightfully theirs. They're colonizers. They're colonizers who are colonizing us. We went ahead, finally, and colonized ourselves, right? That's what they're doing. So they're trying to colonize cyberspace, so to speak. They're trying to take over the internet and make it their own with you know Twitter and so on. They're trying to take over countries. They're trying to take over international borders. They're trying to take over our institutions. And um, that's what it boils down to. They're saying that you who is they? and I I'm not aren't legitimate. Who is this they? I'm not clear on the on global far right. Sorry. The, the oh, the global far right. Okay. Ah, all right. All um, right. All right. Gotcha. The the white supremacists of, of the world, but, but you know, the, the hypocrisy we see in the United States. Um, it's not really hypocrisy when you think of it in this way. They don't think we're people. They think they're the only true people and they're the only ones who deserve X, Y, Z. They're the only ones who deserve to vote. They're the only ones who deserve to be warm in the winter. They're the only ones who deserve water, right? Like that type, kind of stuff. So if you look at it from that perspective, they're not hypocrites at all. They just think we're subhuman. And by we, I mean everybody who is not in lockstep with them. You know, that's right. how fascist movements work. And that's right. what we're unfortunately living through is a full-on fascist power grab. And they're freaking relentless. They won't stop. Oh, my God. They are relentless. No. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. Now that I know you mean the global far right, I agree with you. So they organize online with Americans. We've seen members of Rise Above movement here from California, you know, go oh. to Europe, whether it's, uh, you know, training with Ukraine or now Serbia. So there are far right movements increasing across the globe. This is true. That's not to be, uh, that's not up for debate at this point, including Sweden, my home country. 
Um, and they are organizing across uh, country lines. You're right. They What they want to develop is a white nationalist state, right? And it doesn't necessarily matter which country that ends up being. And in fact, it's wild now that I see an online in the telegram rooms where you have Russian nationalists and Ukrainian nationalists arguing with each other about which spot would be the ideal place to set up shop. They're, they're not in lockstep on that. Or you'll see them to stop saying you're in a war, stop shooting each other, our white brothers are what matter. So I, I hear what you're saying there. That's absolutely true. And the way you go about maybe making that happen is this sort of accelerationist movement that's out there, the destabilization that you're referencing. And part of getting there to that point is with a campaign of disinformation. Yeah, and and that is, I, I think disinformation is the first and most important part. The disinfo and propaganda campaigns are what, you know, sort of salt the earth for uh, democratic movements and then seed the earth for fascist movements, especially in a uh, time of global global socioeconomic inequality, which That's is right. also resilience targeting, by the way. Uh, austerity is the same thing as resilience targeting. It's been spun as a good thing until now because like it's benefiting people who are already rich. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. It's um, these white supremacist movements. I lost track of what I was saying. Uh <laughs> that's all right. You know, and let's move. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, let's use what happened in Germany yesterday as an example, because to me, this should be making headlines everywhere. And it's not for some reason. So uh, last night in Germany, really? there was a massive arrest that were performed of right wing militia, AFD members. Um, some noblemen, they were planning a far right coup, right? So they're all part of this um, this movement known as Reichsburger. Um, that's my German. I apologize in advance for my terrible German. But basically, this is a movement that is very similar to what in the United States we would refer to as sovereign citizens, right? So this is a movement where they don't believe in paying taxes. This is a movement where uh, they buy into QAnon conspiracies. They buy into conspiracies that the allied forces left over from World War II are the deep state and they're controlling the modern German state. So ergo, the modern German state isn't legitimate. Uh, they produce their own documents like driver's licenses and passports uh, because, again, the, the state's not legitimate. So uh, they it's a movement I followed loosely. AFD, for folks that don't know who AFD is, this is a far right German uh, political party they have had seats in the parliament and a decent amount of representation. They do have actual neo-Nazis as their members. So that's, I mean, if, I'm not saying all FD members are neo-Nazis, but the neo-Nazis are definitely in the AFD. Um, so this coup last night, there was even a Russian that they arrested. One was a Russian, uh, not a German. Um, one was a ex, you gotta love this, an ex uh, um, nobleman, aristoc aristocracy, and he was gonna be put in place as the leader of the movement. So uh, his name is Henrik the 12th, I believe. I mean, so what do you make of this? I mean, to me, this is like the natural out natural outcome of everything we've been seeing in the world. You know, this far exceeds what we saw on January 6th here in the United States, right? This was a planned coup with soldiers the whole nine yards. Um, but I mean, it's something we need to be aware of. Yeah, and you know, I have a whole polemic about this that, um, this is one of the things that I say where everybody just sort of gets quiet after I say it, but like, it seems very clear to me that they're after our national sovereignty in every country, they being the global far right. They want it all, they want the world. They think that they deserve the world, that it is that it belongs to them. And you know, for 800 years, they were right. And now they're not right anymore. It doesn't belong to them anymore. <laughs> um, Fair. And it's, um, 
colonizers. So what I believe this is, this is this is where people are just like, oh, and then they change the subject because it is kind of an outrageous thing to say. But they are after, again, they're after our national sovereignty. They're doing it by trying to create new national identities and nationalistic identities. And they're actively trying to take over our national borders everywhere. So like in Ottawa, you had people going and, and blocking border crossings. You've got assholes down here all the time with their binoculars, you know, talking about national sovereignty, security, whatever, as they, you know, attack, you know, desperate families with children who are trying to get across the desert because people are after them in their home countries, right? Like, we, we, we have all of these people. And, and I say this, by the way, I'm hyper aware of borders. My background before I was into um, to counter disinfo was I was a border reporter. I covered the US-Mexico right. border here in Tijuana and Mexicali. So this is, you know, I, I do have like some very border biases, bordery biases, but um, it's what I've been observing for a long time. So the weird part, the part that everybody's like, Ugh, is I think we need to reformulate our idea of national national sovereignty in general. And we definitely need to start talking about what borders mean to us. We have to start talking about what, what geopolitical identity means to us because they're coming for that. They're trying to co-opt it right this second. Well, they're, they, they are co-opting it. They are co-opting it. That's the thing, because there is a vacuum for information of this not yes. being discussed on the left, right? So they are definitely talking about it. Um, I find it interesting that you're saying they're co-opting sovereignty, because I think that's an interesting way to put it, and it's true. Like, so again, when they say, when they talk about sovereignty, they, they mean that applies to white folks only areas, yeah. right? So, I mean, if yep. you go back, even look at like some of the John Tanton stuff, uh, you know, from 50, 60 years ago, he wanted to get rid of the 14th Amendment, right? So that would mean yep. he wanted to get rid of immigration, right? Not just illegal immigration, all immigration, because he wanted it to not, be a white country. Not all immigration. Um, no, not Jared all Taylor. Just immigration from people with, you know, tans. He he was very pro white immigration. Oh, he was <laughs> towards the end. All right, so he did shift there, but initially he wanted to get rid of all immigration. But I do see your point. Yes, yeah, so white immigration is fine if it's from certain nations. Quotas from certain nations. Um, you know, Jared Taylor from American Renaissance makes a lot of the same arguments. You know, and, and they mask their beliefs not as being racist, but be, but we're race realists, right? You're silly if you don't believe race is real, kind of a thing. Uh, but this, again, is a global problem. Um, in fact, uh, Colin, let's play this video from uh, a report. This is a, from the German media that from, of the coup yesterday, just so people can understand a little bit more about what these groups are, what we're talking about. It is the biggest anti-terrorism raid in Germany for many years. On Wednesday morning, some 3,000 police raided more than 100 properties in several German states and arrested 25 people, all of them suspected members or supporters of the so-called Reichsbürger movement. Their goal? A coup d'etat in Germany. They wanted to overthrow democracy. The arrested suspects are united by their rejection of state institutions in Germany. The arrested suspects believe in conspiracy myths consisting of different narratives from the Reichsbürger ideology as well as the QAnon ideology. The network was made up of both a political and a military group, according to German authorities. They had planned to invade the German Bundestag and use violence. Germany's interior minister, Nancy Faeser, said the investigations provided a glimpse into the, quote, abyss of a terrorist threat from the Reichsbürger milieu. 
who wouldn't agree on a day like today where there's one of the biggest raids against far-right's efforts aimed at attacking our state, that polarization is on the rise and we have to defend our democracy every single day. If they had succeeded, this man was to become the new head of state. Heinrich Reuss, a descendant of an aristocratic family from eastern Germany who still uses the symbolic title of Prince Heinrich XIII. The entrepreneur from Frankfurt is said to be the ringleader. <laughs> I mean, to me, this is a prime example of everything that you're talking about, right? The spreading of misinformation, disinformation, the destabilization of state institutions that are required for democracy to function, uh, you know, accepting nationalist ideals, uh, you know, the whole nine yards is all kind of tied up into how this coup happened. And I think it's it's a perfect example of everything you're talking about. And I think it's possible for this to happen in other places, not just Germany at this point. So, yeah, I mean, all of this. Exactly. I mean, he's talking about the QAnon ideology. He's talking about the far right ideology, which is also QAnon. Um, he's talking about the the loss of faith in state institutions. That's exactly it. You know, it's this is resilience targeting. And then you've got this like, you know, right. sad nobleman who, is, you know, can't can't make Prince. it on his own. Apparently, <laughs> he, he's got to rely on his family's history oh, because he's too yeah. much of a screw up to like make a life of his own without being a nobleman. So he's got to orchestrate this coup. I mean, we, we've already lived through a coup attempt in the United States in the last couple of years. January 6th. Yeah. It's the same shit. And you've got all these people who think that they should be ruling the United States. They're the ones, they think they're the smart ones, right? They think they're the, the adults in the room. They think they are owed, you know, the wealth, the, 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 um, the brilliance within the nation. And they think it's, it's theirs. They think that they own it. They think they own us. And, and obviously they don't. Like, they are enemies of democracy. And, um, yeah, well, no, mean, and they you, are, Brooke, they are. They're enemies of democracy. And, and now you see them coming straight up saying like, well, we're fine with getting rid of democracy if we can put in the ideas that we want to put into place. Yeah. Which is wild to me because in the past, this has been the group that has always been like, yay, pro-America, yay, civil liberties, yay, my freedoms. Mm -hmm. Yet now they're basically saying, nah, chuck all of that, let's do fascism. I mean, it's we're at a very strange place. Or maybe the United States has stopped being quite so fascist and started going in a pro-democracy direction finally after all these years of just embracing more and more fascism. And now they're, the AFD is like, oh, we can't point to them anymore. Now we have to find some other democracy. Because really, we've been living in increasing just like pressure, fascist, fascistic pressure in the United States for my whole life. <laughs> I don't know about you, yeah. but my whole life for sure. It's been Awful, Let, well, you know? we're, we're similar ages. I'm Gen X, too. Let me ask you this. Uh, the money that funds this, I think this is part of the conversation. You know, obviously, I didn't this even sound like I was aging you, by the way. I thought you were younger than me. I'm sorry. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm not. Thank you for that. I'm not offended. That's awesome. Uh, oh, but good, good. I'm 52. So um, I think I might be older than you. Uh, so uh, I want to talk about the money that funds this stuff, because I think it's part and parcel to this. In the German example, you see this is a prince, right? He's an ex-aristocrat, -ar wants the power. I wants to put himself in power, you know, fascist government um, here in the United States. I'm not sure that there's much difference between Coke funded operations, Coke brothers or, you know, various other billionaires that fund these things. They're all looking for power and they'll do it by any means necessary, I think, at this point. So the, the guys that fund this stuff, they I think they know full well what they are doing. 
and they do want to sow seeds of discord to, to destabilize democracy. They do want to sow seeds of discord to bring people to be their foot soldiers, so, you know, so to speak. Like, let's get these guys riled up. Let's get them fighting in the streets and get, get them to support putting my ass into the seat of government so I can extract more wealth from the country. Um, and it's a really vicious cycle because I, it's not clear to me that a lot of these individuals that get sucked up into these movements really understand what's happening. They don't. Literally useful idiots. That's the term, right? I mean, I I don't, people people get really like, they're, they're like, ooh, you're calling them idiots. No, the term is actually useful idiots. But yeah, they're useful idiots. And I keep reminding people also, like far right also means hyper corporate. Far right also means yeah. corporations run things. That's fascism. It's the far right. It's the same thing. Also, it's it's all in the true believer. Um, this book, The True Believer, I try to make everybody read it. It was written and published in, I think, 1951 by uh, uh you know, blue collar intellectual who he was a laborer who was also writing books on the side. And he observed these certain things about mass movements and the people who joined them. And he wrote a book about it, like describing them. That book, I'm convinced, was used as a blueprint for who Facebook was looking for initially with their Cambridge Analytica stuff. I really okay. sincerely think they were looking for that, using it as a net. And he actually has a chapter, Eric Hoffer, the author, has a chapter in there about failed aristocracy and their role in, in mass movements. And um, also the failed creatives and, you know, like yeah. the kind of people who always thought that they should have a TV show someday. And now they're like all, you know, live streamers and protests or whatever, you know. Yeah. Oh, God. Just propagandists. All, no, but I mean, it's a lot and it's increasing. Yeah, it's a lot and it's well, increasing. I mean, I the think. boldness is increasing, the brazenness. But I'm I'm taking heart in that because that tells me that they're getting more desperate, that there's fewer of them. Okay. Um, I mean, they've done a real good job of killing themselves off with all the anti-vaxxer disinfo. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, they there, there is... Eugenic. That's definitely part of the uh, conversation. They've all bought into the anti-vaccine movement as well. Um, yeah, whether... they have strong blood. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, the actually the urine therapy thing was a thing that still had me to this day where they were the QAnon groups that were doing urine therapy because that would keep COVID at bay. I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I knew that they were going to start doing that. I, so I spent years and years and years just reading this shit online, like in the fringe groups, because I thought it was funny and I, I loved it. And then, yeah. I, and then later I was alarmed because people are like putting peroxide up their asses and things like that. But they, they always went to urine therapy eventually. It's like urine therapy, peroxide therapy, and enemas. Yeah, They're it's just so weird. Pee and enemas. It's yeah, so they just weird. really. Oh, wait, they were not just enemas. drinking the pee. Wait, hang on. They weren't just drinking the pee. They were drinking it, but then they were also pouring it in their eyes and some other things. Like, it yeah. was just. Yeah, that's what they do. And enemas, I'm sure, because they love putting things up their asses. See, that's the other thing. We need serious, like, mental health care in this country. We definitely need universal health care. We need all these things because there are people running around who are just out of their, like, gourds. They, no. yeah. you know, and, and I'm not saying that to shame them. I'm saying that they are very vulnerable to this sort of ideology. Yeah. You know, there's that guy who was over. Um, clearly. Oh my God, they are. They are. Hmm? I said was clearly they are. Uh, for there's more. I need more information. <laughs> what happened um, in Pennsylvania? There was a guy, I think it was Pennsylvania. I can't remember which anti-Semitic incident this was, but there was a guy going oh, okay. to, maybe it was New York. He was going around like screaming um, at like little kids as they were getting picked up from school, from like some Orthodox Jewish school, I think, by their parents. And he was like calling them anti-Semitic names. And um, he, like yesterday I was reading, he was in court yesterday and I heard that he like flipped off the judge and then he mooned another judge. I heard that, I don't know how true it is, but the flipping off part was true. 
and he got his bail revoked over it. And then he, all this stuff came out about his history, right? And the guy is clearly just like, he, he's just an angry, unstable guy. And not just, but he's an angry, unstable guy for whatever reason that have, has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. It has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do with, you know, whatever. He's got stuff going on in his mind and he is like ready to, to pop. And now he's right. got a ton, he's being flooded with stuff going, blame the Jews, blame the Jews, right. blame the Jews, right? So it's like, that's what's happening too. There's a ton of people who are just very, very unstable who aren't getting the help that they need. They're really angry. I, I don't disagree. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. And then there's people going, you know whose fault this is? <laughs> so, you know, I was down there covering a, an event in El Cajon that was being hosted by a, a Zionist group and Mike Pompeo. It was basically a bunch of Christian fascists. Um, there was a counter protest. Oh, yeah, there was a counter-protest that was being uh, held by Jewish Voice for Peace and a couple other organizations. So, you know, just to, to clarify, there's, you know, some weird stuff going on in, within each culture. And not all Jewish people are Zionists. And I would say there are plenty of Zionists that are white white supremacists, really. I don't think that's a crazy statement at this point. But this particular situation, you ha you literally have some white supremacists that started uh, fistfights and altercations with the the Jewish Voice for Peach mar mar uh, marchers, and I got I got bear mace that day. But the reason I bring this up is um, it's related to something that's currently going on with the ADL in San Diego and the DA Summer Stephen. Um, Colin, can we put up this article from Ken Stone from Times of San Diego? Ken's a local reporter down there who's been covering these things for a while. So Summer Stephen, as some folks will recognize from my reporting on the Antifa case, had a very anti-Semitic website. Um, on this website, she had multiple George Soros tropes about how they were controlling BLM and Antifa and um, and that they were going to recriminalize San Diego and they were fighting this criminal or I mean, it was really, really an anti-Semitic website. It was really d deeply disturbing. So the ADL has now invited her to speak at their event Thursday in San Diego, their local event down there, the local ADL. Um, you know, and so Ken's doing some reporting on this because he wants to bring up this contradiction. So in the article, uh, Ken basically says Summer Stephen, the count county's top law enforcement officer, boasted a fearless focus on hate crimes in her recent campaign for reelection where she ran unopposed. As district attorney, she delivered saying that she nearly tripled the number of hate crime prosecutions in recent years. Her quote is this, I stand united against hate alongside the dedicated team at the DA's office, our diverse communities and law enforcement, Stephen said in mid-November. So on Thursday, she will join a uh, panel on, wait for it, town hall on anti-Semitism with San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria as well. So, you know, I've been covering Summer just in relationship to this, um, you know, this case with Antifa. And it's obvious to me she's a very biased prosecutor. You know, Chad Alvarez, who is the guy that walked in front of the police, uh, opened up the smoke grenade and threw it at counter protesters. He was not arrested. Um, the, after the fact, the police did send a prosecution package to her office. She did not press charges. In the meantime, she's throwing the book at the left and ignoring Ryan Luke, one of her victims who was walking around with a, gu uh, an, um, a knife, you know, threatening people for a couple hours before there was the, that altercation. So it's just biased in the sense that she's not She's not applying the laws uniformly. So I did want to bring this up because it's another prime example of how the gaslighting happens. So Ken actually reached out to her ex-campaign manager 
And his response, I thought, was really atrocious. So this is what his, his name is Roe. Um, and he said this, this was his response when asked for comment. So your suggestion is the site was built because Soros is Jewish and not because he spent millions against Summer. It was a dumb accusation four years ago, and it's even dumber today. Uh, he said that the site was taken down because the election occurred and it was no longer necessary. What do you make of all this? <laughs> well, first of all, if you don't understand that George Soros is used as shorthand for anti-Semitism, yeah. if you don't understand that this guy has been attacked by, uh, first of all, by Putin, and then second of all, by uh, uh, Viktor Orban, the uh, let's see, president, prime minister, the leader of Hungary, through, you know, he, he's been getting attacked in this anti-Semitic way with these conspiracy theories that were right. literally... It, written by the Kremlin and, and, and promulgated by, by Kremlin-friendly types who have a long history of anti-Semitism themselves. If you don't understand that and, and you're buying into it after all these years, then I seriously, seriously question your ability to adequately care for the public, to adequately represent right. the public, to adequately prosecute the people you should be prosecuting. Like, if you don't understand how anti-Semitism, if you don't understand how this works, then you don't understand how anti-Semitism works. And that makes me very sad, very disappointed, and also, you know, fearful for my own personal safety. Because now we've got some DA who's just, well, not now, we have had, you know, yeah. a DA who is reluctant to um, call out anti-Semitism. She's instead, you know, engaging in it herself for political purposes. So basically right. what Roe is saying is um, that it's fine as long as it's for politics. Like, what is that? So it's gaslighting. Honestly, it's oh, it's, it's gaslighting. gaslighting. This is what I grew up in. You're willing to put me at risk and my whole family right. at risk, everybody I love at risk, so that you can win a political, you know, uh, and yeah, it, it was. It's frustrating because if 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 Roe wanted to focus on the billionaire money and millionaire money and corporate money, dark money, whatever, whatever money is coming into these campaigns, he could do that. He's not doing that because Summer has taken also a shit ton of money from right wing organizations and right wing wealthy individuals. So this is like pot meat kettle. This has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that George is a millionaire and gave the campaign money whatsoever. So it, it is a trope. It is anti-Semitic. Um, you can attack billionaires without making it, uh, you know, this anti-Semitic trope, trope about George Soros. That's just not true. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, he's an investment banker. There are plenty of reasons to legitimately criticize that. I get that. But this is not that. This is something yeah, entirely exactly. different. Um, you know, and it, we could put up, and in fact, at the top, I think if you click through, you can see the website. I mean, there's there's a photo of him and he's in a chair and he's right in front of like an uh, anti-fascist banner, people in black block, BLM. So she's definitely trying to tie these things all together, um, you know, which is and a very sort of... It's, it's a ahead. very, very, very old trope. And it was used in the 50s. It was used in the 60s. And it was it's disgusting that it's being weaponized. It's it basically it, it's insulting to to black people. It's insulting to Jewish people. It's insulting to to every every ethnic group that is, uh, you know, affiliated with like human rights movements. Right. Basically what this this conspiracy theory is saying is that Jewish people are responsible for like Black Lives Matter movements and so on. Just like they said that's about the freedom writers. And what they're saying, they're saying two things. First of all that, you know, Jewish people are master manipulators, you know, the tentacles are everywhere. But second of all, right. they're also saying that uh, that people from specific ethnic groups such as black people, such as, you know, Latino people 
um, they just have solidarity of organizing on yeah. their own like right. is that what they're trying to say like they're they're just children who need to be led what the Brooke, I think it's, I think it's, no, I think it's even, I think it's, there's more to it than that. I think they actually can't imagine a fat, a world in which marginalized groups band together against white supremacists and neo-Nazis. There's a reason that Jewish attorneys were helping the freedom riders, right? There's a reason when you go to a BLM uh, line, protest line, you're going to see Jewish folks there and also brown folks standing in solidarity. It's, it's not because there's some grand conspiracy about control it's because these are marginalized groups that have suffered at the hands of white supremacists. Yep. Um, so there's a second article, uh, Times of San Diego, that I sent you, Colin. If you can pull that up, there, that's where the George So This is a screenshot from her website, and I do want to read this. Um, so basically says anti-law enforcement money is coming to San Diego. Billionaire social activist George Soros has brought his war against law enforcement to San Diego, and he's spending more than $1 million to support anti-law enforcement candidate Genevieve Jones-Wright for district attorney. So two things here. Genevieve Jones-Wright is is a black individual, so this is also very racist, in my opinion. Secondly, oh, yeah. now, now secondly, like, notice in, in, uh, in Ken's article when Roe made comment, he basically said that it was for what four hundred and twenty thousand dollars that was sent in campaign contributions. That's the number he gave to Ken when he reached out for comment. And the website it now said uh, this was from previously. It says more than one million dollars. So well, that's, those are two different sums of money there, bro. What's going on here? Also, look at the. I mean, I know you sort of brought this up earlier, but like, I just want to call attention to this to the. Uh, you know, this is intended visually to invoke a white supremacist trope, a meme specifically yeah. a very, um, I can't remember what the name of this this trope or this meme is, but it's a very anti-Semitic one where it shows this this man who's like, eh, and he has this big nose, this huge hook nose, and he's doing this, and he's just like got this evil expression, you know, and it's like this anti-Semitic, you know, well, I'm going to control the world type thing. It's like this medieval vision yeah. that these freaking backwater oh also let me mention i got you there. let me mention this let me correct myself because i pulled up the old article so it was this is actually ken stone correcting his lies thank you ken stone so i knew soros said soros pumped exactly four hundred two thousand into the jones right campaign so soros soros donation was four hundred two thousand. roe is maintaining it was millions over a million so okay. there's a disconnect there so that was ken correcting that i wanted to make sure i read that correctly so um, either way, we, we see the point here is that he's bringing up this trope. He's connecting it to being, uh, you know, not supporting criminals, which is literally what he's saying here. And she should apologize for this because it's deeply anti-Semitic, but she won't even acknowledge it happened. Um, in fact, there is a video that I'd like to pay, play as well of which she was confronted um, on this. And she pretty much just dogged the, uh, the uh, reporter, if we can play that away from this service. It was an incredible joining of a community against hate, united together for peace and for respect and dignity. It was just incredible. Were you invited or did you come out on your own or how, how, did, you, how did you get the prime seat? I was multiple invited. We've been working with the ADL with our hate crimes division and activated to make sure that our community is safe. So is a natural by many, many, many of the organizations we routinely work with. Do you regret putting up a website uh, that uh, labeled George Soros as a funder of your, of your, of your, of your opponent? You took the website down as a result of... Uh, do you have any comment on, on the George Soros? 
So, you know, that's what's going on there, too, as well. So I wanted to ask you, what are the things that we not touched on uh, today that you think are really important that people should be paying attention to? Um, what we need to do, uh, what we need to do to fight this, to effectively fight this and drive these assholes into the sea where they belong or, well, I wouldn't do that to the sea, but, you know, just drive them, you know, out of the, the picture. What we really need to do is build resilience. And building resilience is, is a buzzword that's about to get taken over by corporate interests if it hasn't already, right? But here's the true meaning. I'm going to say it now before it gets totally corporatized. It means reaching out to your friends and family. It means forging bonds, you know, despite the bullshit. And I, I don't mean hugging white supremacists. I mean, like, yeah. finding no. people. Yeah, yeah like, like finding finding solidarity among among people who are like you, who believe what you believe, people who believe that Nazis should not be running things, you know, stand against them together, help people out, involve yourself in mutual aid. All of these things are building resilience, building emotional resilience, building socioeconomic resilience, and they are important. We have to fight racism. We have to fight misogyny in all its forms. We have to really, really empower the news industry. Journalism is suffering mightily right now, and that is going to, you know, building up journalism will it, i mean we're supposed to be the firewalls between disinformation right. and the public at large there is no more firewall because we've all been fired <laughs> like it's like yeah. me and my coworkers are doing what we can from truth or fiction but it's like oh my god it's like trying to bail everything out with a the, with the spoon although we are seeing things working and that is really amazing to, to see it actually start working uh, but we have to empower the the voices of the people who speak the truth and what we have to do most of all and i think this is this is what I try to do. I try to lead by example. But what we have to do, like one, one of the major parts of this, and I mean by, by what we have to do, I mean like online people, we have to mock the shit out of these assholes for trying this because that demoralizes them. That makes them think twice about doing it again. That's social correction. We need to socially correct these people because by right. God, the people who are supposed to be in charge are not in charge right now. They're just sort of running around like screaming with their hair on fire and uh, and trying to pass laws like it's 1992. Like I keep saying, they're convinced it's 1992. And um, we have to pressure them as well. You know, like the, the lawmakers who listen to us we or pretend to listen to us, we have to force them to actually listen to us. We have to send them letters. We have to make phone calls, send them emails, harass them, heckle them, you know, not... Not like harassing, like going to their house and blowing things up, but harassing them like, hey, why aren't you doing anything about this? Hey, I emailed you three days ago and I never got a response. Why not? We need to start demanding responses from the people we elected to lead us. And we have to start demanding accountability from news organizations as well, because we news organizations, news people, we work for the public and a lot of journalists seem to have forgotten who we work for. The people who pay us are not the people who we work for. We are unique in this regard. So we need to remember who we work for. We need to remember that we are independent voices and we need to use those voices so that we can save democracy and then whatever comes next, you know, we can be ready for. But we have to build our own resilience. And, and that is done by, again, strengthening social bonds, fighting misogyny, especially fighting racism and anti-Semitism. You can see how it's used as a wedge and how anti-Semitism in particular is used as like, it's like yeah. racism for It's used novices. as a way to like, well, because they're using it to pull people into their fascist movement, right? It's it's that whole red pilling thing that we talked about earlier. There's, there's that, but it's like, I've been wondering about the uh, mechanics of it. And I, I think, because mm. I've, I've always had, I, I for, for a long time, I thought I just, it was my big eyes or something. I've always had a face that 
racists confess to. And now I understand it. I'm like a, a starter kit for racists. If I'm okay with it, then they can go to somebody else who's a little bit more ethnic and then see if they're okay with it. And then, they're a little oh, okay. bit, and then they're just sort of like normalizing their own racism. So now whenever I hear, mm-hmm. I used to just endure it like, mm, and tune it out because some boomer was like ranting about the blacks or whatever. And now I'm like, why don't you shut the fuck up? And then they get super mad, but then they shut the fuck up. Like that's the kind of stuff we have to do. We have to tell racists Racists yeah. to shut we the need to cut up. it off at the pat yeah not obviously ignoring it has not uh, made it go away i think you know and i also do think there is a balance to giving something oxygen to i mean there's a way to face it without like you know making it sa- sensationalized right so yeah. sometimes making sometimes sensationalizing things can make it worse but no i think i think no, ignoring offer proper it, context absolutely right. ignoring oh, yeah, yeah. Like that stupid list that was going around. The, oh, yeah, Elon, I was on that Elon, list. So was I. And like, I saw people <laughs> freaking out about it. It's like, no, you're giving it oxygen by freaking out. You make fun yeah. of it. Make fun of it. Well, yeah. How do you not make fun of it when they also had the CIA, FBI, and Sesame Street on there? Come on, guys. <laughs> then I weirdly. Ding dongs. <laughs> Oh, it was it was a very it was a very funny list. But then they narrowed the list down. And so I was I'm in that telegram room. So I was like watching this. Then they narrowed it down to like maybe 25 accounts. And I'm like, oh, they (laughs) narrowed it down. Let me see who the 25 are that made it out of the 5000. I'm like, fuck me. I'm still on this list. How How am I still on this list? (laughs) I'm like, damn it. it Oddly. It's me and Bellingcat of all of all publishing, and then actual anti-fascist accounts on Twitter. So I was like, "Cool, <laughs> okay, who, nice. I, I, who'd I piss off? I'm not sure. Who knows? Anyway, well, it's you very bizarre." Take but it as a compliment. <laughs> well, I just thought it was so. I mean, the, everybody was taking this seriously. I'm like, how are you taking a list of anti-fascists seriously that includes the CIA and FBI? Can we just have that conversation? That's yeah, just ridiculous. known anti-fascists, <laughs> the CIA and the FBI. That's right. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, the FBI. I, I the FBI could understand only because they are prosecuting a lot of the January Sixers and and Nazis would not. So that I could understand. But the CIA? Oh, come on, man! Like, like. The CIA is Antifa. Yeah, what's happening here? The CIA is Antifa. Anyway, that will never not be funny to me. It will never not be funny. But you're right. Some people were like, I need to hide. And I'm like, nah, you don't need to hide. It's fine. I mean, presented in the proper context, it's just a bunch of assholes right. being assholes. Like, don't get being idiots. Why are like, you I mean, they're just idiots. on a list in 2022. We're all on lists. We're all, yeah, probably. That's probably true. Um, anyway, Brooke, I thank you so much for joining us today on Right Wing Insanity Report, um, talking with us about disinformation campaigns and how they how they come to be and grow and whatnot. Um, so if people want to follow your work on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? And then um, <laughs> your website is Truth uh, Truth and Fiction or Truth Not Fiction? Truth or Fiction. Truth or yeah, Fiction. Truth or okay. Um, and uh, yeah, you can follow me at Brooklyn Marie. I totally apologize for all the shit posting. I've also gone over to Mastodon. I'm Brooklyn Marie at mastodon.lol. Okay. Uh, that's about where I've planted myself for now. I'm waiting to see whatever, wherever else every, everybody goes. Cause I'm just like, well, I don't want to give my, uh, any more data to anybody. I'll just leave it at Twitter and Facebook yeah. and all the other places, live journal. Um, but yeah, you can find me there. I apologize because I never sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, I'm a news I junkie. actually, I actually appreciate your shit posting because most of the time it's really funny. Like I, <laughs> good, I, I giggle, I read it, and I have a good laugh. All right, thanks for joining That's us, Brooke, um, and we appreciate you giving us uh, some of your time to discuss this stuff.